1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNC's apply. You're
0: listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track.
2: Uh, welcome. Hello. Good morning. How is everyone? Trot's life. This is the way we start our week. Well, Giddy Up with Gareth has just finished. Um, so hopefully you got some winners there. I saw Wayne Hawkes was in the studio as well. But now we're turning our attention to Harness Racing, trying to find you winners for the future. And I've got a fair few black bookers. Steve Cleaves I welcome you in. Have you got a
1: few as well? Good morning, Bon. I don't have that many, actually. There's a couple I'm definitely leaving in and just a couple to put in. Yeah, I might, a couple, yeah, there might be a, a leave-in situation
2: with at least one of them, I reckon. But uh, mostly through the first five or six races now. I don't expect this from you, but only because you were uh, so hot on the spot a couple of weeks ago with Lock and Barat. Um, do you have any further information? Because what we know, what, what has come out of the Tab Gamma Light free-for-all on Saturday night is that Lock and Barat had a... Grade four exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage. So, basically, that means it's a um, it's an uh, it's quite a high-level uh, internal bleed, not coming out of the nostrils, but uh, enough to stand him down for twenty-eight days. That's the end of the Victoria Cup, and one wonders. Well, I've already written my article for the Herald Sun tomorrow, um, and you don't like to speculate because I don't know the full story. But uh, you wonder, you hope, you hope that this isn't this isn't the
1: end for the great champion. No, look, I don't think it is. I, I did reach out to the stable this morning and, and got a message back pretty promptly, which is really good. They're, they've been fantastic to uh, get in touch with and, and help put the news out there for everyone. But he said he pulled up great. He did have a grade four bleed, but at least it didn't come out the nostril. So it's not as severe as what some do when they bleed right out. Uh, moving forward, He's naturally the New Zealand and Victoria Cup are now totally off the radar, so they're unsure what the plans are. It's going to be up to the owner to decide what's going to happen going forward, but he pulled up all right, um, and Sal's pretty confident that he'll be fine to go forward with him, so... It's an overall doom and gloom. Um, just watching the replay, you know, I mean, if he's had a bleed and, and he still finished off, you know, not really that far off him, I, I don't think it was that bad an effort. Considering the way he was driven, it was pretty tough. And uh, hopefully now this gives Sal a chance to just put the brakes on, step back with him, start again, Bring him up nice and slow, and give him the opportunity to get back to his best. It's it's something that I, I think we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. It's 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 so hard when you've got a horse that good to just throw him straight back in the deep end, you know. And and when you're driving them as tough as what they've driven him, it, it can really take the stuffing out of him. And and that bleed could have been coming off the lung infection from the previous start two weeks before. Generally, there's something like that that'll cause a horse to bleed. So. Let's just hope that it was just a minor thing coming from that infection. Now he's going to get a bit of time to to take a step back, relax, and let's hope he bounces back. He's just uh, he's just having just been an
2: awful run of bad luck, and so probably in the back of people's minds. And I'll even admit, admit I love the horse. Everyone loves a horse. I he would be Australia's favourite standardbred by a space. I would say Lock and Burr, champion, undisputed. And uh been fortunate enough to be there, uh, particularly with that Shepherd and Cup win, where, you know, it was, you felt like you were, it was something I'll never, ever forget, um, seeing how well he went that night. And I'll never, ever forget the Hunter Cup, where everyone ruled him out and said, there's no way he can win. He's got problems. He won't even get to the race. And then he brained him again. But now, when they just start piling up, that's, I think, the, um, where you start getting concerned, where it's a respiratory infection one week, and then he gallops out, and then it's a, a bleed, and um, you just hope that he can get back. It, basically, the article is, all good things come to an end. We know that. All good things come to an end, but you, don't want, you want them to come to an end in the right way, and you want him to be able to bow out a, a champion and get to the inter-dominion and show what he's got one more time. Um, even... The Roger Federer situation last week, it was probably more sad that, uh, well, I think he's going to go around one more time in the Labor Cup. But you just want to see, you you want to see champions, whether they're athletes or humans, Steve, go out on their own terms, don't you? Because you you, you don't want them to be forced into
1: a situation where it can't go on. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if you go back through his three runs, I mean, they've been pretty tough you know, asking a big question of him, as I said, coming back into that level, you don't get a chance to get that confidence up. So, hopefully, he can now just take a step back, sells back. He can, you know, take his time with him and just get him back on track. And the confidence that the camp had, I think, shows enough that he should be able to come back. I, I you know, it's not like they were questioning going into Saturday night. Oh, is he there? Is he not? They were going in thinking we are good here, and then it all changed at the green light as soon as he galloped out sort of put his chances to bed and and perhaps they should have driven him that way to say well let's just forget about tonight and look after him and, and worry about next week but he had a fairly tough run and then you know putting him trying to put him to bed on the corner was uh, you know that was probably just asking way too much of him after what he'd had to do so hopefully now they can just hit the restart button and and we can see him again in uh, in a month or two time.
2: Right, we'll get to the gamelite Free for a bit later, but let's start where we should with the first event on the program before we go to our first break here on Trot's Life Metrospective Edition. Um, I was pretty dirty on myself here because... So, it's um, it's an old-school M1, the first race in the card, and you get stuck in the maps, and there were so many sort of um, back-me-next-start performances for the runners in this race. But ultimately... Vanquish Stride had been going around in the better races. He actually had the best form of anything going into the race. And even though he was pratted three wide early on a reasonable, uh, a reasonable clip through that 45.4 second lead time in the first couple of hundred metres, as usual, is the most frenetic and he was stuck out there. He did get some cover, Vanquish Stride, but he, he beat them like he was, I think, just better than them, to be honest, Steve.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's sort of shown in the past that he's he's one to get home late when the pace is on and he did that his previous run. He he got home really good out wide and and we mentioned it uh last start, uh last week on this show. Um he was out three and four wide, making ground at the finish really strong. Lombo Heaven got the gaps on the inside in that night and flashed home and ran second and and we blackbooked Lombo Heaven and put a watch on Vanquish Stride and I actually uh Just lost it for a moment there.
2: We'll try and get him back in a moment. Are you there, you're Steph? There? Yes, I'll get you back. Yeah, ready to roll. Sorry, continue on. I'm there now. You got me? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Gareth also right in the studio. What a pleasure. Someone to had to, try to call
1: me, didn't they? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Very yeah. good. G'day, Gareth. Uh, yeah, so Vanquish Stride, he'd he put the writing on the wall.
2: I thought we might have lost him. We might go to a break here. First break on uh, on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life. We'll come back. My first black book who comes up in the opening event, as a matter of fact. And I reckon Steve will have him too if we can get back in contact. What's Stanley got? And for those people calling Steve Cleave between 11 and 1 on a Monday, take a good, long, hard look at yourselves. The bloke does radio now, okay? 11 a.m., 1 p.m. every Monday He's on Metrospective. Don't call him. Back in a moment.
0: Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on skipping 736 736
2: Welcome back to Trot's Life. It is the Metrospective edition every single Monday, and we've got a special guest. New recruit kicking goals with Giddy Gap with Gareth Hall, and he's got... Well, he's always been a newsbreaker, but he's got some news now. Uh, we've been discussing the great champion, Artie, the Artie Party Lock and Varard. Grade 4 EIPH on Saturday Night in the Gamelight free for all. And Gareth, uh, hello to you. Hello, Jason. Great to have hello you in the studio again. Um, yes. You have some information and it comes right from the top. Owner Kevin Gordon is... Well, has he made a big call or is he on the precipice of no, making a big call? I
3: think he's come to the realisation after that horse, up was stood down for 28 days there mm. because of that bleed on Saturday night that he can't race in Australia. Um, so he's most likely, I think, he's 90%, 95% um, heading to North America, unless Dave Moran can change his mind in the next 24 hours. But he'll head to North America and um, because, of course, Kevin's from the Newcastle region, I'd be putting my money on that maybe Shane and Lauren Tritton get the opportunity to train him in North America.
2: You'd be putting your money on or you have a little bit of inside information to help you put your money in the right spot? I think that's what
3: will be happening. But he hasn't confirmed it just yet, Kevin. And the horse's best interest will be, of course, um, paramount to this decision. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't think we'll see him race in this country again.
2: Can I ask you a big question with that notice? And if you don't have an appropriate response, then it's all good because I really don't know myself. Okay, we know that a lot of uh, horses like these, and even Celetic had a minor bleed on Saturday night. We know that you're able to use Lasix over in North America, and, and it creates a situation where horses who are quote unquote bleeders. It doesn't sound great for the animal welfare people. That's what they are. They can be treated for that condition in North yeah. America. Have you got? Are you right across? why it's such a big issue down here and yet they see it as no issue in North America to be able to treat them that way?
3: No, it's different. I think they don't do it in Europe as well. But you can treat horses for bleeding in this country, but you're just not allowed to treat them on race day. And there's other ways that you can um, treat a horse for bleeding. So um, legally. So, yeah, but obviously that he can use Lasex up there in North America and – Yeah, I think Kevin Gordon has just come to the the realisation that he believes that for the best interest of his horse, um, he either retires or he continues on his racing career in North America. So um, he's been a great horse, Artie. I feel for Dave Moran in a a way because he never got an opportunity to to have another crack with him. Mm. Um, And I don't think it was – I felt for Lockie, uh, Artie there on on Saturday night. uh, He galloped and then – he was sent a big tasks um, by Lee Sutton. I, quite, I would have loved to have seen him just driven quiet for maybe a couple of races when he was coming back. And I think Aaron Dunn, and he'll probably admit this himself, chatting to him this morning with Bondi Lockdown, that um, you can't just drive these horses like they did when they're first up for such a long time um, because it's a lot harder for them to, to compete at that level where in previous times, especially for Bondi lockdown, they've been able to start at a lower level and then work their way up. So I think Bondi lockdown, he'll go to the smoke it up now um, and hopefully he gets a go. Well, Aaron Dunn's hoping he can get a a start in the Victoria Cup. But um, I thought he was a touch disappointing on Saturday, but that lead time was pretty hot.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I still thought he was – maybe I'm being – maybe I am being too harsh, but I still thought for Bondi lockdown, what we know he's capable of – um, 54 and change, oh, I thought he was still a touch disappointing. Last one before I let you go, I was just chatting to Steve about the fact that, you know, we've seen Roger Federer retire recently and you've watched a lot of sport and love a variety of sports and we've seen a lot of players in the AFL, for instance, bow out in their own terms. I actually hope, if, that is, if that's the plan, then I hope that, in a way, he does at least get to North America and finish his career on his own terms because this feels at the moment like a really – a pseudo-tragic way to finish his career. If this is where it ends for a champion like him, you wouldn't want it to end this way. You wouldn't want it to end this no. way for any champion athlete, would you?
3: It's difficult to get them back after the injury that he had. and um, Yeah, and he was such a great horse. Like, I don't think I've seen too many better performances when he sat outside of King of Swing and just said, see you later, King, and mm. treated him with no respect whatsoever. Um, so he goes down as one of the best horses that I was able to be lucky enough to watch. But it's just it's so hard these days with the times that they're they're running and he's a he's a horse that needs to really um, he's a bit like Soho Tribeca in a way. They have to really bully their way to victory. Yeah. They haven't got that high speed no. where they can go to the front. I mean if they're not getting to the well, front. Well what
2: is high speed this th- I mean, they're so yeah. fast these days, what is high speed anymore? Um, so
3: it's interesting, but it's a fascinating Victoria Cup now. I don't know which way to go.
2: Uh, well, I'll tell you what I reckon for the first time in a long time we've seen this a, a regular or recently with Majestic Cruiser and Boncel Benjamin it's the first time in a long time that there hasn't been three or four established absolute top line grand circuit horses and then the others can't win the others now can win if Crime Rider got that close to copy I don't think copy that was ama- like I think copy that was good no. but going back to the replay I don't think he was amazing you,
3: you can't have like expensive ego, he nearly got run down by St- um, Stingray Tara unless Jack's pulled off a miracle <laughs>
2: Crime Rider was making heaps of ground. Yeah,
3: he's not. He's a horse that can. He's improved. But he's a nice horse. Rider. But you
2: would never yeah. in in previous generations, Gareth. I don't for,
3: know. I don't know. It's a raffle. The thanks. Victoria Cup. Thanks for joining us, mate. Have a good day, so go to Cleavy for me. I don't know who's. Hello, Gareth. G'day, Clevee. Um, yeah, doing an exceptional job on um Trot's life. So, um, Thank enjoy. you, brother. I'll be listening. I'd to go to another commitment, but I appreciate your time.
2: No, I appreciate your time coming in with that uh, last-minute information. There's uh, Gareth Hall, giddy-up with Gareth Hall, three hours every morning. He's working six days a week, in fact. He's, I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's, he's an absolute warrior, a beast of a thing. Right. Let's get back to uh, Metrospective. Now, before we got cut off, we were talking about race one, and I certainly uh, was making mention of the fact that my first black booker would be what Stanley
1: Got, Steve? Yeah, no, he uh he did flash home again. He he just loves that last uh Last dash him at down late, and he got home absolutely super and caught the eye. Uh, Vanquish Stride, as we quickly said, did a bit of work early and uh, still managed. He was climbing over their backs, coming to the top of the straight. He was a winner a long way out. Lombo Heaven went really good. Now, there's two horses from the Black Book uh, that actually both paid quite decent odds. We got four bucks a place on Lombo Heaven. Sheffield Sparky, again, looked like could have been the winner around the corner, but just battles down the straight. Uh, Magic Mike does his job like you said, what Stanley got, he was just flying home over the top of him, and, and the real query was Major Delico. He he did a little burn for the front, but he had it pretty easy in front and he was gone a long way from home. He got the uh, the scope, as we know.
2: But I, uh, even as I was doing, the, I tipped him on top. Dan Maliki was pretty keen as well. And then I went back through his form over a middle trip. And when he's led, it's normally worked out relatively well. Five, five wins from eight goes. But, he does now, I think, he now seems like a horse. If they don't get anything out of that scope, we've seen him with Arden Roanoke in recent weeks. So just middle trip, it doesn't matter how slow they go for some reason,
1: just not, not capable of doing it, really, I don't think, Clevy. No, that's just, uh, it was just mind-boggling, really. I mean, just the run he had in front, the times they went, you know, 32.6 first quarter, 32nd quarter, you know, they went 158.3, he, he should have been winning that race, you know, on his ear. Yeah, he should have been, but uh, he didn't. And
2: a Hurricane Hustler, what do we make of it? So they, they came for him like he couldn't possibly get beaten. Nathan Jack jumped aboard. Um, he's a very inexperienced source. I think he's got a big future or a reasonably bright future. A hurricane Hustler. It's just a, I always talk about this. It's a very different scenario, leading to having to pull three wide off a of slow speed and make up
1: that ground. So, I, it's a forgive run for me. Yeah, definitely. You couldn't knock him for the run. You wouldn't get absolutely wrapped about it either. But, you know, he's tried to make that ground, the 27-7, and, and that's probably just taken the sting out of him. But uh, he'll certainly, you know, it takes a little bit of running in those races to get used to it. So he'll he should benefit from that. And once again, even though
2: he got beaten into... Seventh place and uh, slightly more than ten meters off the winner. And there's nothing wrong with the run from Budside Wanderer. He just can't find his right race, the poor bugger. Right, yeah, exactly. Race two. We go to the trotters now. Uh, I, I really want your opinion as a horse person and somebody who has dealt probably uh, with stallions in the past. I've got to tell you, I was on Powder Keg um, or Tip Powder Keg at least. Didn't have a, didn't really have a decent bet. But Tip Powder Keg and coming to the turn, I thought, how far and Gee, to me, he looked like he had a good think about it and he might have had a good think about the mare that was racing next to him.
1: Yeah, I don't know whether he'd think about the mare in the race. Uh, I, I, you know, most stallions aren't sort of that worried about him once they are on the track and, and running. But uh, he did look the winner. But, I, look, I think the winner is a very good horse. Um, you know, she, she's got a, a bit of talent to her and, and maybe being a little bit underrated.
2: Oh, the, the, there's no doubt she's um, – well, she's always had ability. And then uh, the switch to David Aiken it's gone up another level. It was a brilliant drive from Nathan Jack. L- let's not mistake that. He was able to rush forward, might have had in the back of his mind. In fact, I believe he probably did. He knows Gunning extremely well, of course, trained by his old man, Rusty. Gunning was able to find the front, and then Nathan, very quickly, as all great drivers do, made a, uh, that split-second decision, we're just going to go forward and we'll take the top. Got there. Copped a little bit of pressure. Lady in the sky wanted to just wanted to just race. Uh, she's a pleasure down the back. And I thought, okay, this has created the race for Powderkeek. And Powderkeek did loom up like he was going to go straight on by. But she's a pleasure forward. And ultimately, that relatively, well, comparatively slow final quarter uh, gave an opportunity for a few horses to run on as well. Sangreal got shuffled back. I thought she'd hold a much more forward position. Kai Valley-Clitchy got some confidence and... I mean, the run for me, and it's already in the black book, this is the one that's staying in. But I reckon Kukulan, next start, right circumstances, ready to win.
1: Absolutely. It was a terrible draw. Chris had to go all the way back to last. He, he took the shortcuts, but then got held up and and sort of had to check him a bit around the corner. Finally got into clear air and, yeah, flashed home super. Uh, I had him marked for the black book, which, as I said, he's already in, but he stays in there and probably gets bold letters against his name now. Um, I think when you look at how quick Sangriel got home, it looked possibly the winner at the top of the straight. Powderkeg looked the winner at the top of the straight. So I, I just think maybe she's a pleasure It's just gone too good for her.
2: Well, it's been a big performance. Two minutes flat is about, you know, it's nothing spectacular. It's about what you'd expect in this greater race. Uh, and did get things pretty easy early Well, Very easy. 46.7 second lead time, even though she's a pleasure had to lead off the second row draw and then thirty-one first quarter. But, they've ripped through a 58-2 middle half. So sometimes you look at a mile rate, and we'll talk about this, this a little bit later. There's another race down the track where they broke 30 seconds for every quarter of the final mile, even though the overall MR was only 156.3. Sometimes it's not the overall mile rate, but how much work you have to do at particular points in a race. And we often talk about lead time, don't we, Clevy? But here, that middle half was enough to soften She's a pleasure up.
1: So for her to keep on finding, you're right, it was a very good win. Absolutely. And one thing, and, and Tara Tom, when I spoke to him about one of my horses one day, I was just going through the speed map and he pointed out to me, and I, and I actually watch it a lot, to make your move from the start of the second row and continue to move through to the front, going into the back the first time, that can take a lot out of your horse. Whereas if you come off the gate, restrain, then when they settle, you make your move. You're doing it fairly easily. But a 46.7, and she's come off the second row and continued to push to the front, got one little breather in, and then caught that mid-race pressure from the horse pulling outside of it. I, I just think that race was just hugely full of merit for the winner. And I, I probably just can't wrap it up enough.
2: Um, You make a very good point. There was a race going back about six weeks ago where Ian Bucky and had to do it. And even thinking more recently, and it'll be a nice segue into race four, um, we go through the retrospective um, review of the tailor-made Lombo. that That race, the previous race, the matriarch, I reckon it was Doug's Babe. Uh, came off a second-line draw from memory and went all all the way around to the front and looked disappointing. But the amount of work that you do, it is a very critical thing for punters to look at and sometimes be pretty forgiving of a horse that has done that work. Sometimes I think there's a natural inclination that if a good horse finds the front, it doesn't matter how hard they've had to work to find the front, that they're in the premier position and that they've got no excuses from there. But you do have to factor in all of these peripheral things, like where they drew, what the lead time was, whether there was pressure. Brought to bear as soon as they found the front. So, excellent point raised by Steve Cleve. Time to go to the news, find out what's happening in the world. We'll come back with a race I'm very pleased to talk about. One of two best bets getting home in the night. Mighty flying art and the claimer.
0: Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective. On SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736.
2: Welcome back to Metrospective. Puts you in a good mood, doesn't it? And sunshine
1: studio, certainly
2: does. Well, the sunshine does. And when you're in the studio, it's normally about 46 degrees. So you feel like you could just stick a Hawaiian shirt on and, and kick back and enjoy life. Um, we're two races down in the Metrospective review of Racing in Melton on Saturday night. Nine events on the card, including a couple of features. The claimer, though, I was very happy with um, probably... I factored in the, uh, as everyone would have factored in the possibility or even the probability that Aussie Battler would run the gate, but it was still overwhelmingly likely that Mighty Flying Art would take over at some point. And just the way these races are, if you're in front, Aussie Battler's done it a couple of times. Mighty Flying Art's a better horse than Aussie Battler. I can't believe he ended up. He was a $1.90. Uh, I reckon he might have paid more than $2 on the on the giddy goat. And uh, ultimately, it was um, it worked out pretty predictably in the
1: end, I think, Steve. Yeah, no, it sure did. Once the stable mates had uh, sorted out their uh, spots in front, it was quite easy for him just to jog up and take the lead without doing any work. Daryl just, you know, nursed him off the gate. Aussie Battler done a bit of work to get off the arm to get across and then uh, Daryl just let him jog across and Selectic got uh, stuck in the breeze and yeah, he just controlled speed you know, thirty-two-three, 30.5 just like last week and a few other times when they do that and then they run a twenty-seven-four, twenty-seven-nine. well you're not going to make ground from out wide or behind them, so he was pretty uh, it was a pretty good bet I think.
2: Yes, and it was a, uh, uh, unfortunately another bleed there for Selectic, so who knows what um, what his racing career is either? I, th- I think there were there was talk some time ago about him going to America, and who knows what might happen with him. But ultimately, they had to try something different with Seletti because we've seen the movie too many times before. Some people will say, "Well, what's he doing in the breeze?" But you know, I think we know what happens in these races. If you if everyone just goes back, well, you've got absolutely no chance. Ultimately, it didn't work out for him for a variety of reasons, some of which I've mentioned. Sicario got home well. Um, Sahara Sirocco was solid enough. I think Sicario isn't... I mean, in a race where there's not a hell of a lot to analyse, Sicario was the run of the race outside the winner, it would seem, Steve.
1: Yeah, Sicario got home really good. I mean, he had the 1-1, but uh, the winner, you know, got away from him and he, he ran him down fairly well at the finish. To, I mean, he got beaten 6.4 metres, but he was giving him a fair head start at the top of the straight. Uh, Sahara Sorocco also got home well. Uh, he's sort of working into it quite good. Uh, Aussie Battler just sort of battled, pocket the deal battled. Uh, Selectic, as you said, he's had a bleed. Um, he's obviously bled out of a nostril because he's been stood down three months. Um so yeah, that's gonna just set him back for a little while, and and I mean, look, bleeding. I I know I listening to Gareth before bleeders a lot of horses here in australia race that are bleeders and and mirakuru bled on me back uh, 18 months ago and yet he's come back bigger and better than ever this last prep so it's not the end of the world if you can get it under control and you can treat it right And, and i mean treat it legally too it's not like you can't look after them so you can certainly get them back on track there's no issues there but if they do bleed twice then they're barred from racing in australia so that's the only issue that you do have
2: um, and just a little bit of education more on the subject, so uh, it's probably a misunderstood thing s- slightly, and it sounds so uh, visceral, doesn't it? So, that it's, it but uh, it's not always. There are a lot of very, very, very low-grade um, bleeds that do get they do get found out on scope. But generally speaking, sometimes you know, quite often those grade one bleeds aren't even going to make a big difference to a horse's performance. But I think it's worth noting just for those who are following the trots, you can normally get a guide on one sometimes because when they bleed or when they have those, um, those pulmonary hemorrhages internally, Clevy, they do tend to stop very quickly sometimes, don't they? So sometimes when you see one stop really quickly and you think to yourself, geez, that was disappointing that there's often something
1: there. Absolutely. And and look, and sometimes you don't even know what causes it. As I said, quite often it's a respiratory infection that you don't even know they've got or something like that. In summer, dust can actually cause it because they can get a bit of a reaction if it's a dusty day. I know when Mirakuru bled, now we know he's a real keen racing horse. So it's, it's very unusual for him to get off the bit. And he bled early in the race, not under pressure. So the, the start went, I restrained him because we'd drawn in the second row. And coming to the finishing post the first time, I was tapping him up to keep up, and I went, no, nah, something's wrong with this horse, and I just pulled him up out of the race. So we hadn't even done a lap. We'd actually only gone half a lap, and I'd pulled him up out of the race, and he had bled. So it's uh, – it, look, it happens differently in every horse, and, and you, sometimes it's just a tiny little thing, and that's why I say about and Murad, he he had a lung issue two weeks earlier, so that could have been a follow-on, and then that's what's caused him to bleed if that you know hasn't quite cleared up.
2: And there's just no way of knowing most of the time when – <clears throat> when it's going to happen. Race four was the final leg of the Ilukwadi and the first of our features on Saturday night at Arnes HQ. The Allied Express tailor-made lombo at Group 3 level. Uh, we were talking all week about trying to um, trying to uh, fathom or imagine or conjure or manifest a situation where Treachery wouldn't find the front. Ultimately, she did. She did have to work for a Doug's Babe. Ding-dong, Mick Bellman wasn't giving it away for free, but he was giving it away for... Um, Seven dollars fifty because it was always going to happen, and treachery was going to get the front doug's babe sat in behind the lead a runaway celebrity decided to go back and was very disappointing, uh, particularly after bouncing back to what seemed like something near her best form in her previous outing. but ultimately, once treachery found the top, she was able to drop anchor and it became as sometimes these small fields when the best horse does find the top cleavey it became a bit of a a bit of a non race um, I don't know how much we learned about a lot of these, other than to say, yet again, even though she was beaten a long way, she's sort of racing out of her great art of Shengli, and to be able to battle on and beat the rest home, I still
1: thought was a really solid performance. Yeah, I no, 100% agree with you there, Artist Lee. We put her in the Black Book a couple of weeks ago and I'd be leaving her in there because she's just got to find a race where she's not up against the best of the mares and, and I think she'll be back in the winner's circle real quick. So we won't be taking her out. Treachery, she is just an amazing mare. I've just fallen in love with her, you know, six months ago when she started to go through this run of wins and, and she just looked like she was getting better and better. And, you know, the other night, I know she got it easy once she was out in front, but she just sort of stamped her dominance on them and uh probably deserved I thought she was a bit short being a dollar nine, but at the end she proved that she should be that price because she done it so easily. And I tell you what, if you watch the start, Michael Bellman drove Doug's Babe an absolute treat. He didn't even turn the whip on it. He had it under double wraps. Just holding treachery out, trying to make it do enough work that maybe it would be susceptible at the end. But he did not use Doug's babe up one iota. Like he never put that horse under pressure to the first corner, but it still wasn't good enough to get up and beat her. And uh, that just shows how good treachery is.
2: But I think Doug's babies I mean, if you take out that run that I referenced earlier, Clevy, where she had to do a stack of work, and I know right at the start of the preparation we heard from Michael Bellman in a post-race interview after winning a few starts back that Jeff Webster wasn't 100% sure where she's at. But I reckon two of the last three runs to me indicate if she's not right where she needs to be, she's, she's pretty bloody, bloody close.
1: Yeah, exactly. She's not far off, but it does make you wonder, you know, if obviously there was some sort of setback, what that setback was – we're not sure of, but maybe she's still got a little bit of improvement left in her.
2: Now, just a quick mention before um, we move on. We spoke, we had, well, we had Breeders Week here on Trot's Life a couple of weeks back. And uh, a lot of people think, well, there's only one sire for me and all the rest of it. Here are the winning sires from Saturday night at Melton nine different sires from nine races Better's Delight, Picardi Lindy, Art Major, Captain Treacherous, that's treachery, of course, Betting Line, Uh Jeremy's Jet, American Ideal, Courage Under Fire, and Blissful Hall. There's more than one way to, uh, one way to skin a cat, isn't there, Clevy?
1: Yeah, there certainly is. And uh you, yeah, and then if you go through the mare's breeding, you know, there's a fair bit open there as well. I think they're all out of different uh bred mothers. So it, it opens it up a little bit. And yeah, look, as I said, you, you don't have to just go to the best stallion. You can uh, find one that suits your mayor or that cross. And uh, hopefully you can pick one up at good value.
2: All right. We're going to take a break at a moment before we do. I mean, on the scene here, JD has well, got, he's about to break some news in the footy. I'm not going to break it. I'm just well, being re- broken. Just
4: re relaying. Sam you're, going sit, you're going to break the second egg. Sam Edmund, uh, well, SEN's own uh, chief sports reporter has just reported that, uh, well, if you're a Western Bulldogs fan, turn your radio off now because Josh Dunkley's nominated the Brisbane Lions as his footy club of choice next season. Six-year deal, seven hundred to seven fifty a year. So big fella, you'll be happy with that. Much-needed grunt in the middle for the for the Lions next season.
2: What did he get? He, he pulled something around. He, he was the 14? most votes.
4: Most votes for the Bulldogs last night in last night's Brownlow. So I think he got fourteen votes. So he's a handy player. Going to be a very, very, uh, very good addition. To that already bulging Lions midfield. Yeah. Before
2: we do go to the break, am I getting so old that I don't know? Is there a reference to what, what the sunglassing thing was last night? No,
4: nah, I think Libba was just real. But everyone started doing yeah, it. Yeah, I think he was handing them around. It must have been when you got three votes, you put the sunglasses on, you have a drink. I think it, that could have been the loosest brown low I've seen in some time. It was a good, <laughs> it was a good brown low, but I, I, they were loose.
2: There were a couple. There were a couple of uh, times they they went on the shot, and you don't normally see this. Guys, absolutely necking schooners, and you just thought to yourself... Love it. I don't It's mind great. It. I, I, don't lo- mind I like it. it. Maybe not for the... Because scre- yeah. you know the, kid, yeah, like, they're the kids all, are well, watching. Well, they're all about,
4: they're all about uh, You know, responsible drinking, drink-wise, all that sort of stuff. But, hey, these athletes, they entertain us all year... Well, half a year, and, uh, you know, it's time for them to let their hair down.
2: The sunglasses thing, and I, look, I'm... The dogs' boys were loose. I really have, yeah, I, I have can't got liver, and I can't... I, Ooh, I reckon, I reckon that, to be honest, in my opinion... The dogs have partied far too hard ever, ever since winning the premiership, and that's why they are where they are now. Racing
4: personality Jason Bonnington thinks the dogs are a disgrace. I don't think there is. I
2: don't think they're a disgrace. I mean, that, that's the headline. I, I, up I, like on to, I like to enjoy my life as people know, all right? But I feel I feel like somebody. Anyway, Huey's just quoted. But it also reminded you as we go to the break. When that sunglasses thing and everyone laughing about it and all the rest of it and the stuff with Liam Baker, it reminded you, sometimes you look at these blokes and people judge them harshly. A lot of them are actually just kids.
4: I get the feeling you're just jealous that you weren't there and you had FOMO of missing out on the the fun that the dogs boys were having.
2: So we'll get a new producer anyway. Get stuff, J.D. We'll go for a break. (laughs) more retrospective coming up in a moment. And I'll, uh, yeah, geez. I wonder who will jump into the chair to press the buttons
0: to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736.
2: We're back in a moment. We're going to go to some audio. Um, uh, it's Prostate Cancer uh, Awareness Month, and uh, Hunters Raising Victoria for the sixth year are combining with um, with the PCFA to to engage in the long run and um, to try and raise money and awareness for the uh, Prostate Cancer Foundation. And Kirsten Graham and I had a chat with Chris Harding, which we'll get to in a moment. First of all, though, Clevy, I'm just reading, sometimes i just, you know, you go on these Twitter. Rabbit holes, and there's a lot of talk about um James Rain singing the boys Light up at the Brownlows last night. Were you aware that there was some sort of nefarious lyrics involved in this song or not
1: absolutely it's a classic <laughs> i
2: i', I, did, I did, there's like nine million people who seem like who seem to know the lyrics and how how uh how yes, how maybe inappropriate they they were but I had no idea. Anyway,
1: I can't believe you've missed that over I, the years. That, uh, that's just been an absolute classic of the years. I don't think uh, I thought everybody knew those lyrics.
2: Uh, well, yeah, i yeah, no, I didn't, and it came out when I was two. So, uh, but um, no, I'm going to check them right now. As a matter of fact, right. <laughs> let's go to this interview with Chris Harding. Come back more retrospective in just a moment. The other night, Chris Harding, welcome to you at the partner appreciation night, but. Very special month and um, great to already see Nathan Jack and those colours win for David Aiken, the trainer, who's the man who's really brought this to bear in Harness Racing in Victoria.
5: Yeah, David's been amazing. He's done so much ambassador work throughout uh, not only September, but the month's leading to this as well and sharing his story and being really brave for that. So I actually just went out on the track and I'm pumped up. Covered in sand, covered in mud. That was absolutely amazing, though. That was an unreal experience. So. you thinking about getting in the car. Keep it fretting who's looking after you.
0: We'll make oh, sure geez. you get
5: an opportunity to have a drive fast work. Are you going to do it or not? 100%. You know, I spend so much time doing my hair as well, looking good for this. Put on a helmet, had the glasses. I'm, I'm a mess, so forgive me, but that was amazing. So thank you for yeah. Let me do that. Kirsten, pretty amazing, isn't it, what we're doing this month? Yeah, absolutely it is. And it, and as Jason sort of alluded to as well, Chris, it would have been just the, the cherry on top to, to have David have a winner tonight as well. Yeah, that was unreal. Yeah, I should mention, obviously, yeah, Harm Victoria have been partnered with PCFA for over six years now. And in that time, they've shown us tremendous support. So this month has been no exception for the long run, which we do every year as part of September for Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. HIV HRV's had uh, two teams, there's been a staff team, so I know Jason and have been getting the kilometres in, yeah. and uh, Greg Sugars and Chris Alford as well have had their own team, and they've been tracking the K's they've been doing around the track. So they've well and truly smashed their 72 K's and their fundraising goal already, so it's been amazing.
2: Outstanding. Now, we did have that partner appreciation. Now, one of the questions that I never got to, because we raised a lot of money that night and we're doing it right throughout the course of the month, but we wonder where it goes. Everyone's yeah. like really proud of themselves when they contribute, yeah. but they don't know exactly where it goes. Does it go to research? Does it go to um, looking
5: after the people who are currently suffering? Where does it go, Chris? Yeah, it really goes to all those things. So I think a couple of key things to highlight is over the past 10 years, PCFA has donated over $45 million into research projects to help with our prostate cancer. We now have over 100 uh, prostate cancer nurses as well across Australia, with 26 being in Victoria. So they give specific care for prostate cancer. And we have 130 support groups all over Australia as well. So, And we have a free tally nursing and free tally counselling service. You can call at 1-800 number anytime for all your needs when it comes to prostate cancer. So yeah, we're doing a lot for the community and we really appreciate all the help.
2: Kirsten, will, will you help to give him a drive? So I, I feel like he's, he's jonesing. He's talking to us right now. He wants to go back out yeah. there. Yeah, good. absolutely. I'm pumped Do, up.
5: Absolutely Be he ready. does. Just <laughs> so, uh, you know, our demographic is probably you know, the the older sort of generation, but we know that prostate cancer is very treatable as well if it's caught early, yep. so what would you, be your sort of uh, feedback and encouragement to those that are watching at home? Yeah, so we're really encouraging all men to talk to your GP about your testing options, uh, particularly going to get a PSA test. A uh, PSA test just tests the amount of PSA in your blood, and it can be a really good indicator to see if anything changes over the course of getting tested every couple of years. Just really quick guidelines. If you're 50 years old and over, no symptoms, and you haven't had any family history, recommend going to get a PSA test every couple of years. If you've got family history, like a lot of cancers, prostate cancer can be more effective if you do have uh, family history, go from 40 years old onwards. Mm.
2: Now, Chris, we're doing a fair bit for prostate cancer, right? Yeah. Harness racing,
5: Victoria. Amazing. We're doing, yeah. we, we've done a great job. Oh, amazing, yep. Now we need you to pump us
2: up, because the way you're talking right now, I don't know how many times you've been out to the track, but... You see, when you're watching on TV, it looks like maybe they're not going that quickly. When
5: you're out there yeah. and you see how quickly they're going, it's an exciting sport, isn't it? It was unbelievable. So I was with Shane, um, who's, who shout out to Shane as well. He's out go, been going through prostate cancer himself. And also uh, Smudge as well. Apparently, he's a very, very famous horse. So I felt very lucky. And yeah, like I was saying, oh, this is amazing. And he was telling me about how this isn't even probably half the speed you guys go on a full race. Mm-hmm. And there's... Uh, they called Sulkies, is that what they are? And they bump yeah. bumping each other side to side, and I thought, I couldn't believe you guys go even faster than that, so I- I'm pumped up. Are you a bit of a thrill-seeker by nature? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I right now your bit, pupils so. are hitting yeah. me, I'll <laughs> tell you. I'll be honest with you. Oh, it was unbelievable, yeah. And the horses are amazing, too. I went down the stables of Kima before as well, and, yeah, I've noticed as well the HRV is a real community vibe. I think it's what we are discussing in the uh, stables as well. Like everyone's mm. just so friendly, so approachable. Horses are all there. Everyone's looked after. So I, I thought that was really awesome. And this association
2: will and must continue because there is a closeness now. That, yeah. That's what community does. So you've got the prostate cancer community yeah. and the harness racing community and now after six years
5: we've really bonded haven't we? Absolutely yeah. Let's Cheers for another six. Let's keep it going. Good on you Chris. Thanks yeah. for joining Thanks, us. I appreciate it. Thank you. He's a good man.
2: There's no doubt about that and he's he's very very excited. <laughs> Takes a lot to get me that excited these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go. I'm not 50 yet but I'll tell you what I reckon I might go early for that test. I think I'm probably the guy that probably needs to go early. Um, Right, let's get stuck into some more form now and a, a big thank you to Chris Harding and to everybody who is contributing to the Prostate Cancer...
0: Back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736
2: 736 The heart is a blue A little bit of Beautiful Day by the great U2, led by Bono. Not me, the other Bono, with one end. I I don't like being called, well, I don't like Bonnington. I don't like you, you've
4: given Bono me makes some, me feel
2: a bit weird these days as well. You've given me
4: some real dirty eyes one day when I called you Bonnington. and it Yeah. Was, I had to reevaluate our friendship.
2: Uh, Willem called me Bonnington at one point as Ooh, well. yeah, no. And he had to back off so I could lend him a blazer. Uh, uh, well, hence. Where hence, is Willem? Because I'll go in three of my blazers for Saturday for the races. Well,
4: he hasn't worked since. Since he called you Bonnington, clearly.
2: He's been back. He was working with me, but I. Oh. Jason is.
4: His name's Eric? Odd. Okay, yeah, that's
2: odd. that's odd as well.
4: Yeah. Your name's Eric. Just just own it. Just own it.
2: I own it all, don't worry. I own it all. I've got a mortgage, I'm paying it all off. Right, time to find out what's happening in the world again. That's the hard out music. When we come back, we've got five more races to go through with Steve Cleve on this retrospective edition of Trot's Live on SEN track. Don't get what you... Well, like I said last night, you can go somewhere for about four minutes, but then you've got to come back. All right. Bye.
0: You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Hello
2: and welcome back. This is Trot's live. This is retrospective. That was a I felt blunt. Uh, we're, we've started the second hour, so come back from wherever you went for four minutes. I said you could go for four minutes. You've got to be back now. Listening to Steve Cleve and I as we've got five more races to go through from Saturday night to action at Tabcorp Park, Melton. Dan Malecki and I in the Friday form panel, and then again on Trot's Vision on Saturday night, where we're, um, we're saying constantly, bet on the is way too short at five dollars. We got it to drift all the way out to sixteen bucks. And it wins. But this all goes back to a burning questions episode going back probably four or five weeks ago, uh, Clevy, where uh Jack Law mentioned really without without prompting that he felt Bet on the Tiger could be a really good horse going forward. Well I'll tell you what, he has got there pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, he certainly has. I I thought he started way over it was at sixteen dollars. Not that uh I expect him to be five dollars, but if you go back through his form, he put in a massive run uh I think it was his win here three starts back at uh at Melton, when he really got attacked for the lead, and I think he'd done a power work, they went to lead time in something like a 45 seconds, and he still managed to, you know, kick on and, and win the race, although it only beat by half a neck. It was a massive run, and I thought, Ben, I thought this horse has definitely got a bit of talent, and he came out with a bad run. The next start in the size classic, running eighth, but then he's bounced back now with two wins in a row, and unfortunately for Captain he, he he's his own worst enemy at the moment. He's just... Uh, He come back with a bang first up, settled really well at the back of the field and let loose around him. But his next two starts, he's just got up and pulling. I'm not sure what's sort of got under his tail, but I went back through his form and he's never been noted as pulling hard in the run in any of his runs until now. So hopefully uh, Jane Davies can get him quietened down because he's a very nice pony, but you can't be doing those sort of things. Well he definitely pulled hard at that
2: um at that previous outing uh when he when he got beaten by Cobber he's just he's just in a bit of a mood at the moment and i and I don't know why either basically jack law had no had no choice uh had to roll around them and go forward because even back in the field jack is so uh, again a little bit of education and you can help us out with this clevy as well like there's some drivers that um a horse doesn't have to be over racing terribly particularly and this isn't being misogynistic but particularly some of the lighter framed girls can be hanging out the back of the cart and they might not be pulling ferociously, but just a little bit. But then you look at a guy like a Jack law or um, uh, a Chris Alford or a, or a Greg sugars. And if you can tell that they're over racing with those guys in the cart, well, it means they're really being fierce.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They don't have to be parallel to the ground uh, to be pulling that hard. But that horse was certainly keen out in front. You could see the horse's head was up. Jack was really holding on to him. And uh, unfortunately, he's he's only got beaten by half a neck. And, you know, you'd think if he had to relax just for even a quarter, he probably wins that race.
2: Well, and you look at the sectionals. This was was the race I referenced uh, earlier. So 46.4 second lead time. That's nothing special. But then they've gone 28 6, 29 28, 29 5. So, all this time, there's a couple of things to take into account here. One is they've broken 30 seconds for every quarter of the final mile, and they've broken 29 for two of the four quarters. So, this is a war of attrition at that point. And then Captain Belisario is not only running those times, but he's expending energy extra energy because he's over racing in the run. So we have got some problems with Captain Belisario. There's no doubt about it. There is also very little doubt about the fact that he's the best horse in this race. And I'm happy to say that even though he's been beaten his last couple of starts and people will start saying, well, performance matters more than potential. He is the best horse in the race, in my opinion, by a margin. But Ben on the Tiger has done a big job because he's been involved to some degree in a little bit of the early burn here. And still been able to come with one, with one big run and get the job done. So he is going places. He's going places pretty quickly. This horse.
1: Yeah, he certainly is. He was three wide all the way around to the back straight the first time before getting to the desk seat and then getting some cover. So you're certainly in that early burn. It wasn't like he just sat back, did nothing early and then flashed home late and said, Thank you very much. He was certainly out there doing a bit of work, which we know he can. He's shown that in the past. But the way he got home, he got home super and he's certainly one that's going to be going through his grades. And uh, as I said, I don't think you'll be seeing sixteen dollars about him anytime soon.
2: Uh, let's go through a couple of other runners. So uh, the last chance got home well. Monsieur Delacour did a little bit of early work. Major Mel was unlucky. Uh, never got a crack at them. And actually, if you if you watch the full race and watch every horse go over the line, he was getting home okay. Ruby Wingate was a touch disappointing. Cobber, I, I called him Nick Kerrios in the form comment. Well, this was Nick. Smashing his racket again. There might have been something wrong. Um, query performance, scope, all the rest of it. But Cobber does do this a little bit. Cobber can be great one week and then not so great the next. Uh, Blissful Lily was uh, tired, but was, you know, racing well out of its grade. I would have thought. Now, I've actually black booked one in this race. It's been beaten more than 10 metres. But talking about the consistency of those sectionals and on the back of a really good last start win, I... I concede it was an easier grade, but it feels like Monjana finally is back in the mood a little bit again. I thought this was a really brave performance just to, to keep on keeping on, even though it had been caught in those sectionals in the breeze throughout, Steve.
1: Yeah, and it, as you said, it did the work that you know uh, the winner bet on Tiger did early too, working around three wide, right around into the middle of the back straight before getting the desk seat, and then uh, having to sit out there outside the leader and, and cop that uh, speed all the way. So it's gone very well, and I reckon you can sneak the last chance into your Black Book as well. It was $51. It drew seven. I know it went back to last, didn't do a lot, but it got home really well. And I think with the right draw, this horse will be a a lot, lot closer. I mean, it's only got beaten 8.4 metres and it's come from nearly last, so... That's another one for the black book. I think you can put both those horses in, and, and hopefully we can still get a bit of value about them next up.
2: And hopefully a few people got on um, Aussie Playboy when it was two dollars eighty the place. It, it it didn't have a lot of fortune, but I think it's racing in near career best form. It's just worked home. It's only had to work home the last hundred meters because it got dragged back in transit. But um, it was two eighty on the night. It got into a dollar eighty, but when we were doing the Friday form panel, it was two point eight. So hopefully a few people found. Aussie playboy who's also going really, really well at the moment. Okay, time for another break just, here. Yes, Sorry,
1: Steve. Sorry, Bond. Just in regards to that, I've found that the opening odds have just been full of value lately with the TOB or other betting providers. So if if you're an early better, I, I think you can get some terrific value on some of these horses.
2: You have to, I'll, I'll say one thing. You, you generally have to be uh, very, very quick. So you had, um, we can, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, I think Soho historian might have opened $2.60. Um, so th- those early odds go up. Generally, if it's a Saturday night meeting, you'll get maybe two races, somewhere between one and three races that go up on Tuesday afternoon, and they are the ones that you can really smash. But I just wish they'd put the place prices up earlier because I find – I don't know what you find, Clevy, but I find a lot of the value actually comes in the place prices because – That's where your mapping often comes into play where if you think the horse isn't maybe quite up to winning, but it's going to get that beautiful run, quite often you get inflated place prices. I'm talking about double what they should be early on.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, a good one in that was Lombard have it in the first. I think I ended up getting like 480 or something to place on him. And and that was just crazy odds for a horse like that. I thought he should have been, you know, maybe only $8 for the win. So like you say, that's where you can find your value. Shop early. If, you, if you're doing your form week in, week out, you can generally look at the field straight away and you'll get a gut feeling, oh, I like that horse. It'll just stand out at you and you think, we know he's been going good. I think this horse, you know, have a quick look at the odds. You may get double, triple the odds of what you really should. It's just occasionally, and this happens to me, and this is why
2: I struggled a bit early. You get that gut feeling, then you go through the form, and even though you do know these horses extremely well, you come up with a different plan once you've gone through them. But if, they're, if it's massively inflated overs, you can still have a couple of bets in the same race. Time for a break. We'll come back and talk about race six, won by one of my oldest mates. My best value on the card on Saturday night, the 10-year-old
0: gelding loving a Chevy. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN track. Text us on 0499 He gets pushed around, knocked to the ground. He gets to his feet and he said, What about clean? It isn't fair. I've, I've had, had enough,
2: enough now. I want on my share. share. Can't you see? Coming soon to the Metrospective. Monday show, been trying to work on this for a couple of weeks, but we will be uh, bringing in a quiz. We might even ring engage the music quiz at some you point, love a, you love a quiz, but a quiz uh, based on harness racing between dro- Steve and myself. You've
4: dropped off your uh, your venture to go on the chase and no, all these, you, it's just on the back burner. Just working it? on it. Yeah. Okay, just on the back burner. Just just working you, you on it. Just, there's a lot of forms you got to fill out, that's all. You I'll give give take a, ge- a bit of time. No,
2: I'll, I'll employ somebody to do that. Yeah, yeah okay. that won't be me. How much? Uh, I no, I, I might apply. Privilege. Yeah, okay, yeah. The no, privilege I, of doing it. I need cash. Yeah, we get $5.20. <laughs> right, um, race six on Saturday night at Melton. The Catanoz Jewelers Pace was won by a great old mate of mine loving a Chevy. Um, I, I did think, I actually brought this question up on Burning Questions. Got got a bit of a slap from Clayton Tonkin and and Aaron Dunn, but I thought this is his chance to lead again. He can do it short course, Trib. He did it, and a very exciting moment for Jackie Barker. She said she really wanted to win a race in this horse, and isn't he just an absolute ripper, clevy?
1: Yeah, he certainly is. And anyone who doesn't know the story about share he's probably been living under a rock. But uh, as we know, he's come back from a snake bite that almost claimed his life. And he's now had 207 starts for 31 wins and just cracked the $400,000 mark on Saturday night taking that race out.
2: Yeah, amazing, amazing. And the fact that he can still do this, he's been one of those horses. And this is why often we, uh, we try and uh, dig deep and excavate and try and find the runs behind the runs. When we do Metrospective on a Monday here on SEN track, Clevy, because love it, a Chevy, there were there was at least one or two runs in his past six or seven. His figure form line looked absolutely absurd, horrific. But there were races where he was getting beaten more than twenty meters, and they weren't bad runs. And you really have to keep an eye on that because we know how important draws are. We know how important the trip is sometimes and the grade of race that loving and a Chevy just needed the right circumstances. He proved that even if you have taken a trail here, short course racing where he's on the pegs, that's where he's going to fire. And he's, his form was nowhere near, at least in my opinion, and I think it was confirmed on Saturday night, as bad as it appeared on paper.
1: No, nah, and if you go back through his last half a dozen starts, so the 20th of August, he ran third, uh, drawing barrier seven, got beaten 5.5 metres, he ran eighth, getting beaten 20 meters, during the second row. He ran fifth, getting beaten 4.9 meters, uh, drawing three. Then 10th, beaten 21 meters. So that was drawing seven again. So, as you say, none of those draws were really suiting him. But, you know, three of those runs, he's only been beaten less than six meters. So, although his figurative form wasn't great, he's a grand old horse and he always gives you everything he's got. So, he just needs that right race where everything's going to work out for him. And as you say, when you looked at that race the other night, it just looked like his best chance, I suppose, to get back in the winner's circle.
2: It's even the case, and I, I'll be, I've, I've said this a million times before, I'll say it again, I'm not massive personally on individual sectionals when I'm doing my form, but I know a lot of people love them. And I'm wondering whether including them in the form guide at some point might be the way to go because – a horse like loving a Chevy, even though you know, talk about a run beating twenty-five meters. Well, if you're thirty meters off them at the eight hundred, and you're beating twenty-two, twenty-three meters, and they've gotten home in fifty-five-eight, you've still gone big. It doesn't. The margin doesn't matter,
1: does it? No, it absolutely. You know, I I am big on sectionals, individual sectionals. I quite often, when I watch my replays, is not so much worry about where they're finishing, but how much ground they've made up and in what times they were going. You know, I said if they've gone twenty-seven-seven down the back, and you've come from last three and four wide, and you know you've only got beaten eight or nine or twelve meters, you've made up a huge amount of ground, and you just think, well, okay, if this horse then gets the right barrier draw and can be within eight or ten meters of the leader at the bow, you know you're going to be a very good shot if you can put in a similar run.
2: Let's talk about some of the other runs in the race. Um, Cosimo didn't throw in the black book because he's in there perpetually pretty much for me. He, he did another great job here. He got within a head. And he just, when he when he was released and found some clear air and some clear running, he just put in a couple of stutter steps and it might have cost him nearly victory, uh, Cosimo, but geez, flying. And make way, they backed him really heavily in the, in a couple of hours. They backed off him in the last two or three minutes. But they backed him really heavily in the last couple of hours before the race. He was first up from a break. He was, and this is a, a great example, 55-9 home. I'd say he was 15, 16 metres off the lead. He's got to within 4.6, and that's first up from a break. He should improve off that. He trial well. He goes into my black book, Steve.
1: Yeah, no, he's in my black book as well. He, you got to put him in there, although we're probably never going to get any odds on him again after that run. Uh, Ants tried to go forward early. He was stuck three wide for the first three quarters of a lap and then had to restrain to last at the bow. Then had to come out wide and, and whip around him late and really made up some excellent ground late. So that horse is definitely going to improve off the run. And, yeah, I'll be seeing it win very shortly. Cosimo, as you said, he, He's probably doing his best work right on the line and, and ran straight past the winner two strides after the line. Just took a little bit of time to wind up from three pegs and uh, the stable mate Kaka Nui uh, sat leaders back and oh, just battled on. I, I wasn't overly rapid that run. I thought it probably should have been able to get up the inside to at least be a bit closer.
2: Uh, and what what else have we got there? Weston Sonjador, I think, was uh, you know, okay. Certainly not the Weston Sonjador door we know of old on with Yukakina who is going through the motions. I think at the moment, Sahara Tiger was a very interesting one because he loomed into it like he was going to be in the finish, and he just hit a wall. So there was no scope on him or anything. He actually ended up being the three dollar sixty favourite. They launched him late. But I don't yeah, that was that was an unusual run. For me, but you've got to remember with these horses that have come back from an injury, he was huge seeking up from a break. But there was just to my eye, I don't know anything more, but to my eye, it looked like he was he might have felt something or something had gone and missed in those concluding stages because you don't normally loom the way he did and then just hit a brick wall and he, he sort of dropped his bundle a little bit late.
1: Absolutely. I was watching the replay and thought the same thing. He just, as he just before he straightened, he just didn't look switched on. Like he just looked like he was just there. And given it and then just gone, oh, it's too hard, which is sort of unusual on the way he got home last time. He really had the years back and was savaging the line, but he never had that look about him on Saturday night. So whether he's had an off night or there is something just niggling away there, I, I'd just like to see if something comes out of that.
2: Right, we've got about six minutes before the news. To uh, and it could take us six hours to talk about this tab gamble line free for all. <laughs> Eight runners engaged. Uh, it, it did seem to be a, a sort of a D day for a couple of runners, Lock and Varad. Copy that. We didn't think so much for Bondi lockdown. We wondered whether one of the slightly lower profile runners, like a Huleni or a Crime Rider or a Better Be the Bomb, could cause something of an upset. Ultimately, it was a very very confusing race. I know uh, Gareth mentioned it earlier and I think you have as well that it's very hard first up in a break to use Bondi lockdown the way that he was used and finish off. I'm I'm probably slightly thinking that um he is he, he should have finished closer and uh and he did rally again but it seemed like he started to, to go a little bit awkward under pressure um when Loch and Barrett was putting it to him. Even as they started to make that circle off the back, and it's going to become a major problem potentially in the big races if he if he loses ground and confidence and gait and cadence every time he goes around that final bend. But we'll start with the winner. Copy that. He he had to win, as Dan like he said on Trot's Vision on Saturday night under the circumstances. Uh, what was your impression? So when you look at the, the finishing margin of 3.6 metres when that had them covered. It sort of looks like, well, you've won, but not that impressively. Or or are you looking at it, no, he just had them covered and he half switched off and he could have won by more if he wanted to?
1: No, I wasn't overly impressed with the run. I think he was absolutely handed the race on a silver platter. Uh, The way it all got ran and the position he lobbed, He just had that race given to him. Um, I expect him to just run away and literally put a margin on him. I thought he would have been winning by 16 or, you know, metres or something like that, which sounds, you know, a lot. But when you look at who was behind him and, you know, it better be the bomb had done some work early, trying to get the front before uh, uh, Bondi lockdown then crossed him. And he's got to within 7.7 metres of him, you know, running, starting to chase him down. So I, I know they probably didn't, Knock him around at the finish, but twenty seven five down the back, and then he let him loose and went twenty nine two. Like he didn't pull out until they were nearly to the straight, and twenty nine two home. I thought mm, it, it's still got a question mark. Um, as I said, he just got he got handed the race on a platter, and I thought he probably should have just ran away with that.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, ha- having said that, who knows? He, he, he no lock and bar out there now. Maybe he just comes out and he'll he'll be the favourite. I would imagine for the uh, for the Victoria Cup as we speak, but. Yeah, it was it was it was a great win on one level that he had to bounce back from that brutalisation seven days prior. So for him to be able to turn it around the way he did, that's a big tick. But Nathan Jack, as you mentioned, just uh, gifted him an absolute armchair ride into the race, and he put them to bed as quickly as you would expect. Then you look at the run, second and third. You've already mentioned Better Be The Bomb, who did do some early work. He's flying, isn't he? He loves it. You've, you have spoken about this a few times, but if the last quarter is slower than the third, Better Be The Bomb Better be the bomb puts his hand up because he, that's what he loves. He just wants to keep grinding home. But the run of crime rider really took my eye as well. We saw some devastating come from behind performances in easier grade up at Albion Park during the Queensland Carnival, but he really knuckled down as well. And, and to be honest... I mean, you look at a horse like Crime Rider and you say, you're a really nice horse, but you shouldn't be getting within 3.6 metres of
1: copy that in a game like Free For All going 154-2, but maybe he's taken the next step. Yeah, maybe he has. Well, I just watched the replay of the last 400 again, and and Nathan asked copy that. He gave him you he know, three he, good waxes on the bum, yeah. and, and he was not finding at the finish. And they said they got home the last quarter in 29-2. So that may have made the others look really good getting home, but... That makes him look even worse. I would not be touching the $5 about him in the Victoria Cup. I know you'd think, okay, he's the best horse, but he should have demolished them in that finish. He should have just run away and put an absolute gap on them and to be then coming out, Victoria Cup favourite. I think there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet.
2: Yeah, I agree. Like I say, if you were looking for the silver lining, it is the fact that he bounced back that far. So he's improved you know, exponentially from a very, very difficult first up run on Victorian soil, but, uh, and he has got his first win. He'd only had two runs in Victoria for an 11th and an 8th prior to that. So he needed to get a win on the board. He's done that. Now what can you do? We want to see him another time and see if he can uh, bounce even further off that. Hull in the end, I'm probably willing to concede at this point. I know he's only had two runs back from a break. That that devastating speed that he has, when they run along too quickly, it seems to be removed. Um, So maybe he isn't. Well, he is capable of winning a good race, but I think, as Dan Maliki's mentioned um, repeatedly in recent weeks, it might be over 1,720 metres, and um, the remaining runners, Bondi Lockdown, we've already discussed, and and Lachan Varad, Shorty's made in Bonsell Benjamin at the back. Would you agree with that analysis of Hull in the end? Like, he's got devastating speed, but there are horses that can absolutely launch off moderate pace, or, or reasonable pace, but when they go too quickly, the sprint's taken out of them. Is is he one of those horses over a middle trip?
1: Over the middle trip, possibly. I do think he likes a mile a lot better than the longer trip. But, um, look, I, I'd be a little bit questioning how much last week may have taken out of him because he hit – looked like he actually hit the brick wall last week. He, he ran up and then – you know, he sprinted pretty hard down the back and then really found nothing up the straight. He just plotted. So that may have taken a little bit out of him and just watch him going forward. Quite often, third, fourth starts, that's when he really starts to fire up. I've noticed in his past sort of couple of preps, he's been at his very best at probably fourth up. So maybe it took a little bit off him. So it wasn't a bad run, but it wasn't a great run. I wouldn't I wouldn't write him off. That's for sure.
2: All right, that's uh, that's good news. So I might stick with him a little bit longer haul in the end. But um, he, I feel like. Here's a question for you. We have got the news hot on our heels. If if a horse like Bulletproof Boy had been in the same spot as Say a Haul in the end on Saturday night, would they have nearly won the race?
1: Yeah, I think so. Well, you look at where better um, be the bombs come from. And he's got within seven metres and, I mean, he's got out underneath um, who in the end around the corner. So if you put Bulletproof Boy in that spot, then he probably doesn't, well, Better Be The Bomb probably doesn't get out the way he did and and he would have been really hard on copy that's back. And if he didn't beat him, he'd certainly be where Crime Warrior was.
2: Interesting, isn't it? You can throw T- Torrid Saint and others into that uh, into that
1: category as well. we'll go to the news well, now. Yeah. Torrid Saint had have been in the same spot; could have been a very much different story because well, he's uh, he's just airborne at the moment. He probably wins. We'll go for a break. Find out what's
2: happening in the world via the news, then come back and talk about another good result from race eight: the Logical Starving Solutions Argent Three Year Old Classic won by Soho Historia.
0: Retrospective on Sen Track. Text us on oh four double nine seven three six seven three six. So,
2: Vanessa Carlton at her very best. Uh, two more races to go in the metrospective review of racing from Melton on Saturday Night, and then Black Bookers and a couple of other subjects. In we might approach one of them now. Um, the love bug, Jimmy Herbertson, adds to his overflowing mantelpiece of accolades, winning the Australian Drivers' Championship at Globe Derby on Saturday Night, it's Clevy.
1: Yeah, no, it was a great effort. He uh, he just held on in the last one. He was on a very rough outsider and, and got one point up, which just made sure he held the win. But uh, it was a terrific effort. I love seeing the, the state of origin, I suppose you could call it, uh, between all the drivers from across Australia. It's great to see them all competing against one another. And, and it's another one for Herbie's mantle. He He's just driving in uh, such great form at the moment. And Honestly, he's he's just getting better and better every year. I mean, he had a massive season last year, just getting his 200th winner on the last night. And uh, yeah, he's just, he gets him running. He's, he gets him going really well. And it
2: was great to see uh, above and beyond the fact that the love bug got the job done. And he did, as you mentioned, the damage early. one with his first two drives of the night in heats two and four of that Australian Drivers' Championship, well covered by Sky and Brittany Graham and the whole team and, of course, uh, South Australian Harness Racing, who were keeping everyone updated via the socials. But it's sort of it's good to see Harness Racing's in um, in safe hands for the future because the top three were Jimmy Herbertson, Victoria, Cam Hart from New South Wales and Emily Savelko from WA All Young Guns, which is Great to see. I know you you and I, as we get a little bit longer on the two things, we just want to be able to hold ground and don't let the kids in just yet. But it's also nice to know the game's in safe hands.
1: No, absolutely. They're the stars of the future. And, uh, you know, our future looks pretty good with those guys coming through. And I was on SEN track uh, Saturday night with – Damo Watson, and just before Herbie got this second win up, uh, a Greyhound one that was called Where's Herbie? And I said, well, Herbie's going around in the next in South Australia. We better back it. And he got up and paid $6.50. So we had a great night.
2: Yeah, fantastic stuff. Where's, where's Herbie? Um, right, Race 8. I'm wondering uh, whether there's even more news of uh, there's more news about Glockenbarra sifting through, but I think it's the same news that we've already heard. I think um, Adam Hamilton might have written an article as well for the forum. So, uh, and maybe for the Herald Sun. So it'd be um, be interesting to see if there's any further news, but I think what we heard from Gareth earlier is probably that news that's emerging that Glockenbarra, if not totally uh, certain not to race in Australia again, is very, very unlikely after uh, suffering a grade four EIPH exercise induced Pulmonary hemorrhage, unfortunately, in the Camel Light Free for All on Saturday night. Race eight at Melton was the Argent Three Year Old Classic, and again, sometimes when you're uh, when you're doing form, uh, Clevey, you look for the predictable or the most predictable scenarios, and you work with them, and then you get a migraine watching a race where it works out totally unpredictably. But fortunately for my bank balance or my account balance, a couple of these races did work out the plan, and this was another Beach Life finds the front hands up to Soho Historia. I don't think anything wrong with the run. At all from a more A-Vita, but under the circumstances, impossible to win.
1: Absolutely, and we talk about this quite often. Uh, small field, single file racing. I I hate single file racing. It's I think it's boring to watch, and you know it makes it really hard for anyone who's backed anything back in the field because you know that it's just going to be almost impossible to win from back there. And you look at the sectionals; they got away with. I mean, so Astoria finds a front without having to do any work at all. with well, they will make roll to the front, hands up, giving it the best chance to run second, which is what came off. So perfect drive by Alan McDonough there. Uh, you know, more veto, she just had to sit back and come with one run. But 32.9 and 32.4 in a metropolitan race, it's just absolutely crawling. And, uh, yeah, I think that was game over. Then Elegant uh, had to do the the hard work and, and drag up a Vita at the bell, um, but yeah, twenty eight quarter down the back when they're trying to make ground, and then twenty seven one home. There's no way that a Morveda was Amor was going to win that race just by the way that it had panned out. So you know, early on, we did get some uh,
2: some pre race a little bit of intel. I think that uh, a Moravita, th- th- there's still some concern about. Her over racing a little bit as well, which is for some people they'll look at the race and say, well, she was never put into it. And those who don't know much about harness racing, then they, then go down the path of, oh, you know, it was a non race and all the rest of it. <laughs> but really, the truth is, this is a superstar filly, and they need to iron out everything they need to iron out before we get to big races like the Oaks and and the Breeders' Crown, don't they? Because a Moray Vita on pure ability should probably be winning those races, but if they don't get it right beforehand and they don't get it racing tractably, then, um, you know, big, big opportunities are going to get missed for her.
1: Absolutely. And look, this gets back to what we we're talking about with lock and bar earlier and Bondi lockdown, you know, these are good horses racing against very good horses. They're not coming in and just racing maidens and then winning and getting the, you know, a head full of steam. They're, they're coming in, they're racing very good horses. This isn't their grand final. So, Chris has done the 100% right thing by this filly by just settling last and saying, well, we can't win from here. So let's just do the right thing by her. Hopefully teach her to settle, get her confidence up, make sure she hits the line well. She got home good. There's no worry about how she got home. It wasn't like she was out in the back and struggling. And that's a good run leading up to where she's going in a few weeks' time. She's going to improve with each and every run. But the best part about this run is she will have recovered from that run with no issues at all she yeah. wouldn't have been tired the next day she would have been bucking her head off around the paddock whereas some of these other horses like say Artie and bondi lockdown they would have had a really good sleep the next day you know those runs are really tough whereas this philly not there would have been no harm taken out of that run so it's really hard when you're a punter and you want to back that horse because you think she's the best horse in the race but if you do your maps and you weigh it upright and you just put a bit of thought and knowledge into it you, you can work out let's not back her or let's just watch, you know, if, if you just have that question mark, then just watch her this week. You know, it's $2.80. You weren't getting any value about her. It wasn't like she was a $14 shot that you're going to say, oh, I've missed the best price I've ever got. You would have just stood, stood back and said, I'm not going to back her, but I think she's the one that I select in the race.
2: Yeah. And, 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 and you know, going forward, as mentioned, I think you saw everything you needed to see. I, I flew home, made ground on the winner, um, in a very very fast final half, so it's a tick for a more A-Vita, but she still does need to again maybe even next start. You, you might not want to back her and just see if she is, if she does go forward, will she over race and all the rest of it? But that'll be price dependent as it always is. Right, race <laughs> nine. Final event on the card at Tabcourt Park Melton on Saturday night. And this was, well, it was the biggest margin of the night. It was a massive win to night school, who, to be honest, has always shown a lot of ability. And the key here was, well, it'd been in a couple of very nice races without much luck and its first two runs back from a break. Here it did look the leader. I actually had it leading in my speed map. But at the same time, that didn't translate in my mind to it winning by 18.3 metres. But here we are, and that's exactly what he did, Clevey.
1: Yeah, look, I don't think it translated into anyone's mind to win by that far. But look, it does like to get out in front. It's a really good leader. It, it is tough. Um, there's sort of no surprise in it winning. I had it in my first four. I just thought it was, you know, it's a very nice horse. that loves that that sort of race when it is up in front and bowling. But it sort of took itself to another level. Um at the top of the straight, it, it just put the hammer down and just left him. I mean, Mustang went good. Shady Ass goes well over the odds. He's been racing really well. You know, it's beaten him by 18, 19, 20 metres and just did it so easily. So good on Boyo. It's, uh, it's great to see him get a winner down there in, in town. He doesn't come down very often, but when he does, he. Uh, I think last time he came down, he might have even won down here too. So he's, uh, he's, he's having a bit of fun with his horse.
2: There's not a lot of, uh, I think, obvious excuses for the remaining runners when you get beaten that far in a 158 five mile road. Shady Az was first up from a break, and Aaron Don would, would have gone home uh, feeling a bit disappointed, but we've already mentioned at infinitum that it's very difficult with horses first up from a break. Went around to sit parked. Um, you, at his best, Shady Az is good enough to still be in the finish of that race, but he, he'll need more hard racing. Over the odds was okay. Mustang was pretty good. Um the rest it's it's it, it's much of a muchness, I think, although one thing that I think is certain, even though it's been beaten twenty three and a half meters is that Arden Roanoke, even though he's got this blazing gates, but is is more suited racing off the space or at least leading and following a helmet after that.
1: yeah, no, definitely he uh he sort of lost a bit of ground around the corner, he sort of got the wobbles up and then uh, then got going again halfway up the straight, but Anything in the back of the field, I look, honestly, I wouldn't have black booked any of those. So, um, you know, <laughs> it was two different races. You have a look at it. I mean, Boyo was just out in front, just uh, smiling for the camera and enjoying it. And then all the rest of them were sort of all going across the line together, but none of them really catching the eye. So uh, i would be leaving me out of any of those next start and just uh, it'll be map dependent on whether you'd be back in any of them.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's 100% accurate. Right, let's go to another break, come back, and we'll talk about our black bookers from the program, then discuss anything else that we might uh, take our fancy in harness Racing News, including potentially the big win from three-year-old Akuta over in New Zealand, who now seems like a massive chance at
0: three of winning the New Zealand Cup. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 499 736 736.
1: It's, a short song, but it's a hell of a story when you spend your trying to get your hands on the holy grail. A Couple
2: different Holy Grails coming up in Victorian harness raising in coming weeks and months, Victoria Cup. Breeders Crown Series, Big Breed Super Series, Into Dominion. Then you can take a breath for two minutes. Then the big country cups at the start of 2023 into the summer of glory, including the AG 100 Cup. It's an exciting time. And we're also trying to find the Holy Grail of future winners. Lay your black bookers on me, please, Steve Cleave, my brother.
1: Okay, so race one, we're sticking with Lombo Heaven. We've already put him in, but I think that run Saturday night, he definitely stays in. Race two, um, leaving Keg in. Powder Keg, I think he just needs that right run. I think he's better off savaging the line off a sit than uh, being the first one out and making the move. Uh, But as with you, Kukulain, I think, definitely goes in. It was a good run, and he's working his way up. Race five, I think the last chance deserves to go in. It was $51 Saturday night. If it gets a better barrier draw, uh, it's got a good chance, especially if it's drawing one, two, eight, or nine, where it can get into the right posse. Race six, we have to put Make Way in. That was huge, but we're probably not going to get any odds about it. And race eight, I think Elegant was a really good run, uh, considering it had to take up uh, Amore Vita and a Vita only beat at home by sort of a neck. So that's one I think watching for the future. It should uh, find its, although maybe not through the oaks and that, but if it happens to find a different race, I think it'll be very hard to beat.
2: All right, my black book is very similar. Uh, what Stanley got, I've got in there. He sort of stays in. I think I might have uh, even black booked him when he won. So uh, settled right back uh, out the back in a slowly run race. Hit the line like a steam train. Only really got clear the last 50 metres and just rattled home. So what Stanley got is feeling in a mood. That's three excellent runs in a row. That's a uh, quarter profile. Um, ku you've already mentioned. Levy uh, already in the black book from the uh, the big first up effort, but even closer now. We, we probably always thought Merv Butterworth told us the owner of Kukulan that he thought probably three or four runs back would be required. Well, we've had two, I reckon. Next start, right circumstances can definitely win. Make way, um, who knows? We might find him in a race where we do get an okay price because he's now stuck in that area where they're very, very, very even races. So I'm hoping maybe we get the right circumstances for him. But comes off a really good trial, heavily backed, comes from last. Flew home, makes up more than 10 metres in a fifty-five-nine last half. So a big tick for him. And Mongiana, I've also got in. I really, that, that win, well, I, I know, and this is how you watch races more closely, when you've got a little bet on them. I was on the Rock and Roll King when Mongiana uh, beat him, and the Rock and Roll King was at 30 something dollars and sliced through, looked the winner. Mongiana had been three wide virtually the journey and still won. And to sit parked outside a horse as good as Captain Belisario in 28-29, 28-29, and only really get a stitch in the last little bit, tells me that Mongiana is on track at the moment, and is starting to feel like um, the good horse – or well, the, the quite good horse that he's promised to be. You've got to remember, I know that was only a small field, uh, the Shepparton Cup a couple of years ago, but Mongiana was in there and he wasn't disgraced. So he's, he's a pretty high-quality horse when he's in the mood. So they're my four black bookers. Um, very quickly before the final break, uh, incredible to think that this, um, this very exciting young horse in New Zealand, Akuta, is second favourite for the New Zealand Cup now, Clevee.
1: Yeah, it's uh, incredible to hear that. I just watched this replay. I, I don't know if it was really that exciting. Um, It looks, still looked a little bit green getting down the straight. Uh, looks like he's still got a little bit to learn. I mean, he did the job. He got the win. But, you know, he, he, look, he probably should have been the quality star that he is anyway. He didn't do any work early. He stepped away. Okay, which you would probably want to get away a little bit quicker in a race like the Cup to make sure he's not too far off him. But sat in the death of the last lap and and toughed it out. But you know, when you said that, I quickly ran to the replay, thinking he's just gone out there and just demoralised him. But he only got up by a head, and yeah, I'm just surprised he's that short.
2: I think. Well, you look at it now. Silver Shorts three dollars, six dollars for copy that, and uh, Lock and Bar to fifteen dollars. Well, that won't be happening. If you, think that if you get news from Mick Stanley or anybody does that Rock and Roll Do is going, it's $21.06. So again, not a great deal of value in the market, but if there's a little bit of erosion and he's definitely going Rock and Roll Do, then maybe place only could be worth a bet. We'll go to our final break here on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track and we'll wind this puppy up when we return.
0: Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499-736-736.
2: Aussie rock um, session from you today, JD. Yeah,
4: I've been good, I think.
2: Correct. You're pretty happy with your own work?
4: Yeah, absolutely.
2: absolutely. Straight, straight hey, off, straight off uh, going to the Brownlow last night?
4: Do you need to go now because you're, uh, you've are you just ordered a cab.
2: Yeah, I'll go in a minute.
4: Um, and Gawinda is on his way.
2: Yeah, but he's, it, when they say they're on their way. Well,
4: it says he's arriving, he's arriving. So yeah, maybe he was a, out the front. That's about three minutes.
2: Yeah, okay. Um, well about done, about Steve. Minutes. Now, we're, we're looking forward to the field shopping tomorrow as well for the for the, for the time honoured Kilmore Cup, Jet Reefing Kilmore Cup on Friday nights, so and that's grand final, even also the Trotters Cup and the Reg Withers Classic, which looks like it's got some spectacular noms, according to a tweet by Tim O'Connor recently. But we love this
1: race, don't we? Yeah, we certainly do. You have a look at the Kilmore Cup. It's been a time-honored race. You've got Honolulu Bay, Rock and Roll Do, Like a Wildfire, Max Delight, and the rest of the crew there. And as Tim just put out there, the three-year-old, what a race this is going to be. Captain Ravishing, catch a wave. He's a son of a gun, interest-free and simply Sam. Kilmore's going to be on fire. Let's hope it's a good night weather-wise, and it's just going to be a great roll forward with the smoking-up sprint the following week, followed by the Victoria Cup.
2: And who's going to win the uh who's gonna win the grand final on Saturday, Clevy?
1: Ah, look, I've got to go for Geelong. I've got a bit of uh family tie there, so I've gotta stick up with Geelong.
2: Yeah. Oh look, I'll celebrate both ways, but I'll uh I've I've been on uh, the Sydney bandwagon for the last eight or nine. what wasn't on their bandwagon on Saturday night I can say, but uh, every other Every other step during the last eight weeks, I've said they win the flag. So it's going to be a great grand final, you would have thought. I don't think it's going to be a blowout situation. That is for sure and certain. Uh, well done, Cleve. It's been another great retrospective, mate, and hopefully we've found some winners for the future. Are you joining me on Friday night or not?
1: No, mate, I'm uh, I'm not. Uh, Tim O'Connor's on there Friday night with you guys, so I've got the night off. I'll be sitting at home and watching, though. Don't worry, I'll be critiquing you throughout the night.
2: All right, I expect a text message. I'll try and get a phone back so that I can actually get it. Um, good on you, mate. Uh, great great to have you on the show, and we'll talk next week.
1: Thanks, Bob. Thanks, JD.
2: Here's Steve Cheers. Cleave. Uh, I'll go down and meet good our bloke. Hopefully he hasn't left yet. Well done, JD. Thank you, mate. We'll Enjoy see you. trackside. I will see you tomorrow. No. or what?
4: See yeah.